Hey there, everybody. I have a question for you before we get into the episode. Do you need professional voiceovers? If you do, let me tell you where you should go. HotMicCity.com. I mean, just listen to a little bit of this demo. Welcome to Commercial Sales. This course is part of a... Smooth Jazz 105.9 FM. Roughly 5 million Americans don't even know where their next meal will come from. Welcome to Evangel Christian Churches. Join us in person. Wow, that voice be sounding good, though. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. The next time you need professional and quality voiceover work done, remember HotMicCity.com. Hot Mike City, y'all. Check it out. Hey, welcome to the Unchurched Podcast, where your hosts, Michael and Sean, discuss issues of church, life, and religion. No subject is off limits, and our honesty and humor drives our discussion. We welcome you to sit in on the conversation and laugh with us as we challenge serious things. So pour your drink, kick your feet up, and let's get started with the show. And we are live. Sean Dizzle, what is up? Mikey Hizzle, I sound like I have a drizzle, because <laughs> my allergies are kicking my butt. Yeah. That sucks, bro. So so tell me, where were you this weekend again? Um, We were in, I mean, Harrisburg, but we uh, there's a town right next to Harrisburg called El Dorado. Um. Which Sounds like El Dorado. I'm sure you're familiar with knowing KK Bono. Yeah. Um, no one else knows what we're talking about, so that's just uh, that's our thing, I guess. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, Brooks BFF's uh, family has some like, quite a bit of land, actually, and uh, we went over there and did some fishing in a pond and shot some guns, hung out. Fought off all the frickin' ticks and yeah. breathed in all the allergens. <laughs> you know. It was fun though. Caught some fish. Yeah. Little bitty little bitty bass and a few flounder. Hmm. They um they usually kept the pond stocked with some catfish and just let them naturally do their thing, you know. And, uh yeah. someone I guess came and fished them all out. So really, yeah, lucky bastard. So they're like, they uh, yeah, their dad was telling me the story about like they came up to the pond one day and found 27, I believe it was, uh, catfish carcasses. No way. So from that point, they were like, all right, well, we're not just gonna put more catfish in here for people to troll. <laughs> so seriously, dude, the carcasses, they left the carcasses there, yeah. Like, like the meat, legit, the, the good meat. Well, like the bones and the you know all that. Oh, so they cleaned them there and left. Yeah, all the crap. Yeah. Oh, that's just dirty and wrong, dude. Yeah, kind of. No, you're supposed to take that shit home with you and and do that at home. Well, not only that, they fished out like all the catfish out of the pond. 
<laughs> it's not even their pond. <laughs> and then they left they left the goods, so anyway, they're not doing the uh, catfish anymore. Alright. But dude, the ticks were really bad though, huh? Did you guys have any on you? I had three on me that yeah. I kind of felt and then everyone else was just like I mean, my friend had probably seven <laughs> that he pulled Oof. off of them and I mean we all had like ticks somewhere, you know. But dude, just like standing by the pond, not even under a tree or anything, just on the grass, like they're just like getting on you and freaking crawling. Oh, it's the worst, isn't it? It really is, you know, because those little yeah. fuckers carry like disease and shit. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Why you got to be sure. trying to fish, sure. trying to enjoy my life? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Well, good, man. I'm glad you. You uh, were able to go to bed tick-free. Yeah, that's good. Okay. <laughs> Last year, uh, my wife and I went up to Ross Common, which is just north of Gladwin here in Michigan, and uh, off of Higgins Lake, probably the, the cleanest, clearest lake in the state of Michigan. It's absolutely gorgeous. Nice. 130 feet deep. It's a beautiful, beautiful lake. Um. But when we were there last year, the ticks were in high force, and they're predicting this year to be another, uh, excuse me, record tick year. Yeah. Um, but I was just up there this past weekend camping with my buddy, and um, we uh, did some hunting, you know, uh, sighted in our, our 177 pellet guns. That was a lot of fun. Nice. And uh, tried to do some fishing, so uh, I've got an all all species uh, fishing license this year again. And we went out for some trout and got skunked. Oh. So I did what every respectable young man would do. I went to the beef jerky store and I bought a pound of uh, smoked trout <laughs> <laughs> because I damn it, I went for some trout and I wasn't going to leave without trout. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, so that's how I do it. Um, but the funniest thing happened, right? So my buddy, my buddy Pizzuti, he is, uh, we used to be workout partners. So when we met, he was 230 pounds, I was 180 pounds, and he was just ripped, jacked, right? Yeah. So I'm like, dude, you got to train me. I got to gain some weight. I can't, I can't gain muscle, can't gain any weight. And so he was helping me out, coaching me. Well, now roles are reversed. <laughs> I'm 230 pounds, and he's 180, and he's just as ripped as ever, and I'm a fat bastard, I tell you. Oh, you're not a um, fat bastard. Um, okay, I'm a fat. So, jeez. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, it's so funny. He's uh, he's in the in the pole barn trying to get the uh, trying to get a battery pack or whatever. And, a, and he left the garage door open, and a chipmunk ran past his feet and scared the literal hell out of him. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it went into a mouse trap, you know, one of those mouse traps that are flat, full of glue. Yeah. You know? It went in there, and it was just a huffing and a puffing and a squealing. If you've ever heard a chipmunk squeal, dude, it is not pretty. No, can't say I have. It's amazing. Amazing some of the sounds these animals make. And so I'm like, dude, we can't just leave it there. 
He's like, screw it, it'll die. And I'm like, dude, we, come on, we can't leave it there. We got these pellet guns, man. And so I, he's like, I'm not doing it, you do it. So I picked it up and uh, put it out of his misery. Hmm. Threw it in the fire pit. Good. Fire pit wasn't lit. I don't want to get a call from PETA. <laughs> fire pit wasn't lit. I think they'd give um, you a pass because you spared it its uh, misery. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, but we had so much fun, dude. We, uh, we got skunked. So we're in the boat and it was a really, really rainy weekend. So, uh, at least here. And, um, we got out on the boat Saturday afternoon, late afternoon, and it was still a little bit cloudy, but the sun was just starting to peek out and it just felt amazing. And we're in this, in this, uh, I don't know, 16 foot sea ray. We put our lines out with some heavy weights to get all the way down to the bottom. That's what she said. And, um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and, uh, cracked open some beers, man, lit a cigar, and we just laid there on the boat, not catching a damn thing, and, uh, just sit there and we just chilled, man. It was so relaxing. I bet. Just, Sounds awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, the there's no way that we could have anchored because it's 130 feet deep. Uh-huh. Uh, excuse me. And um, not only is it 130 feet deep, there there was nobody on the water, so we just drifted. And he forgot. He went into the into the garage to get the battery for the trolling motor, and we got in the truck, went to the docks, and he forgot the battery for the trolling motor, so we couldn't troll. It's the chipmunk's fault. It's the chipmunk's fault. They got him all flustered. <laughs> this big old dude, he's all flustered. Forget the thing ran across his feet and he forgot what he went in the doggone garage to get. So, but we had so much fun, man. It was so good just to be out in the woods. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you, and I got no ticks. You made it tick free. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I made it tick free, man. You tick lucky free. bastard. I could not believe it, man, because he was telling me, he's like, dude, the ticks are so bad this year. Didn't see one tick. So, well, that's good. I was very happy. Last year, I had them all over me. Hmm. So did my wife. You know, it was all over our clothes. We had to take our clothes off outside. Or at least I took my clothes off outside. My wife didn't. And I shook my clothes off, you know, and we lived. Mm-hmm. Lived to fight and hunt another day. So... All right. Sweet. Hey, bro, where can we be found? Um, we can be found in the heart of the lamb who was slain. What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. So we're we're on Twitter and Instagram as Unchurched Pod. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There, too. But first, you find us in the slain lamb. (laughs) <laughs> oh god covered if in the blood to... brother yeah there you go all right keep it christian keep it 100 you know so and our uh website is uh unchurched podcast dot wordpress dot com that is also so check us out correct check us out on the blog there and uh 
got some cool ideas, some stuff to come up, and we're just going to keep on talking, and you can keep on listening on to the conversation. So thanks for joining us. You know what's new, and we haven't been able to say this yet. We can also be found now on iTunes. Yeah. Yay. So just go to iTunes and search Unchurched Podcasts. And you should find us pretty easy, because we're the only one that's called that. <laughs> yeah, but you know what the funny thing about that is uh, the algorithms of, of how they do things. And I don't want to complain about it, but um, the wife went on iTunes once I told her we're on iTunes now officially. Mm-hmm. She got so excited and searched for us, and we were at the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. So she typed in Unchurched Podcast, and we were at the bottom of the list. There were several other podcasts that were there hmm. uh five other to be exact we were the sixth at the bottom and uh and I, she thought that that was kind of strange i said yeah well it's because we don't have any followers yet <laughs> we gotta get ranked and then we'll be number one so yeah here we go give us a thumbs up like us share us and uh help us get to the top of the list will you yeah leave a review tell us how good we are or how shitty we are one and the same. <laughs> but preferably how good we are. <laughs> That's right. We can learn from the bad reviews too, though. Nah, you know what? I've talked to a few people now around here about the podcast and <clears throat> gotten a little bit of feedback. And most of it's good. Actually, all of it's pretty much good. Um, but, you know, like, I think I've said it in a couple of the episodes, but, like, People don't like what we're doing. I don't really care. Yeah. I'm still going to do it. You know, like, oh, yeah, we're still absolutely. going to hang out. We're still going to talk about church and trendy stuff and make your own damn podcast. Don't complain about shit. Go. It's America. Do something with your life. <laughs> it's easy to sit back and complain. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But the, the reality is, like, we're the ones who got off our ass and did something. Mm-hmm. So. You got something bad to say? Okay, say it. Just remember, do you have a podcast and do you spend hours upon hours creating something? Think right. think twice before you critique. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, and at the end of the day, we're having a conversation, which I would hope that people do it everywhere. Yeah. We're just deciding to record it and have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. And um because uh, here's the thing, whether we're recording or not, uh, this is exactly how me and Sean talk to each other. Yeah. We belch, we fart, we swear. We drink. <laughs> we drink. Talk we about hookah. Schlongs. We and talk dirty, we talk clean. Hoo-haws. And we get satisfyingly deep. Ting-tings. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think the allergies have gone to my head. Yeah, you need to take a pill, bro. No, those things are addicting. Tell me about it. They're not addicting. (laughs) My dad dad told me one time, he was drinking coffee, and and, uh, I said, Dad, let me get a a sip of your coffee. So I started (laughs) drinking coffee with my dad. Yeah. Right? I thought you were going to say it was uh, spiked or something. No, 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 no. So I said, Dad, I said, I started drinking coffee at work and, you know, just to keep myself up because I'm starting at like six o'clock, six thirty in the morning. 
And uh, I said, man, this stuff is addictive. He said, what are you talking about? Coffee's not addictive. I've only been drinking it for about 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) And he can stop whenever he wants to, damn it. That's right. That's right. So with me and allergy pills, man, I've only been taking them, you know, for 20-something years. So they're not that addictive. Well, for me, I mean, one, I was kind of just kidding about the whole pill thing. Although I don't really like taking any pill. Because I'm weird like that. But, uh, I mean, obviously I take them when I need to. I'm not not an idiot, you know. Sure. But I usually don't have allergy reactions like this. Which is, like, this is uncharacteristic for me. Yeah. So I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. Or, like, there's some kind of pollen that I've never been around. I don't even know if that's a thing. But, yeah, I, I I usually don't have, like, headache and draining and I sound stopped up and my eyes water in that's usually yeah. not me like sinuses I don't know it's never really been this bad so I don't know yeah that it's me on a regular yeah although I must say that since Angel has been gone huh. who had the longest hair and the the Dander. biggest balls of fur all over the house yeah um, since she's been gone my allergies have been at least 50% better. Oh, that's crazy. Well, so, yes, it's not crazy, but... Oh, yeah. My parents make fun of me, and I'm the boy with all the allergies, and I've got, you know, two dogs, three dogs, <laughs> so... Can't help who you love. Nope. So, let, let, let's talk about some shit, huh? Yeah, speaking of can't help who you love, Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you... Can't help but hurt the ones you love. We've had uh, at least two that have been in the news that have taken their life and hurt who knows how many people. Yeah. Which uh, I know is something we kind of wanted to hit, like talk about. And uh, I, I remember see like hopping on Twitter, and I um, obviously Kate Spade was trending. About how she took her yep. life, and it was like, what? Which, like, for me, I mean, I don't know her, you know, but I did work in retail for about six years, and uh, <clears throat> one and a half of those years, I worked in uh, for DKNY, and we sold handbags and all that stuff. So, Kate Spade's store was a competitor of ours, so through that, it's kind of like, oh man, like, I don't know Kate Spade, but I do know her product, and, you know, I know her story somewhat, you know, and, like, the business side of it. So when I read it, I was like, oh, my God, she's, like, not even that old, (laughs) you know? So that was kind of crazy, even just for me, you know, who is she to me? Really, no one. I mean, if I saw her on the street, I would have been like, oh, you're Kate Spade, you know, but I don't know, man. Yeah. The whole suicide thing is, it's always a heavy topic, obviously, and I feel like it just does more damage. The good that people must think would come of it. Yeah, it's it's very, very deep. I definitely don't know the spade. Um, Caitlin Spade, is that what you said? Yeah, Kate. Whatever. Caitlin's, Kate, Kate Spade, I don't know her i don't know anything about her actually 
her dying, her taking her life was actually my first time. Um, hearing about her? Hearing about her. Yeah. I was I was in the shower. I bet your wife that knows morning. Her about her. Yeah. So or maybe even has say. a was, handbag or a wallet or something. Well, so that's the thing, right? So I was in the shower and Jenna says, oh my God. I'm like, what? <laughs> Kate Spade killed herself. And I said, I don't know who that is, babe. He's like the, you know, David Spade. So yeah, I know the comedian, David Spade. Yeah. Her sister, his sister or sister-in-law or whatever. And I said, nope, still don't know who you're talking about. She says, I've been wanting one of their handbags forever. And I said, well, all right. I mean, it was a bummer to me because I'm like, okay. So you got somebody now who was definitely mainstream and popular. Um, and then it got me to thinking about the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter how happy a person may seem to be or uh, how popular they are. It doesn't matter how much money you have and what influence you have in the culture. Uh, if things aren't right and your mental health, uh, these things happen. And I, I truly, really do believe that it is a mental health issue. Um, and not just a, not just a, a selfish person act. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I uh, think I see that being, that being said, suicide definitely is a very selfish act. I'm not negating that. I think it is a selfish act because you, you have people that love you and, and, and people that you'll leave behind that will have to mourn and fight their way forward to get over the fact that you killed yourself. Um, and, and the ripple effect of that goes uh, deeper than you could ever try and measure when you're contemplating suicide. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I, I really do think it's a, a, a huge mental health, health issue. Um, I agree. Cause and then a few- I mean, there's, <clears throat> I mean, I've had, you know, I don't want to say I've dealt with depression, but I've had times where I think I went through certain elements or depths of depression and suicide, you know, crossed my mind, but it, I could never do it. And I never would have do it like done it. And I can't say for a hundred percent in the future I won't do it because who's to say where my mind will go or you know I mean the mind is a crazy thing anyway. However, yeah. like to to be at a place where you commit to you know taking your own life with seemingly no regard for anyone else. And I don't know if that's the case because, again, I haven't dealt with it. So maybe I'm speaking out of place. But just from my perspective, that's what it seems like. Like you have to at least come to a place where you don't care about anyone else. And thus, you know, we see it as a selfish act because, you know, I mean, she had a family, she had kids. Like, maybe things with the husband weren't great. I don't know. I have no idea. But, you know, if that was the case, I mean, you have kids. Do you not care about the kids? Like, now they're not going to have a mom? I don't know. It's yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's it's intriguing, and yet I don't ever want to think about it because it's scary, you know? It is. 
It was very, very scary. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I totally did. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Uh, I, I was just going to say the other person that the one that actually did affect me was Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, fill not in a little bit I knew for him. that, because all I know is that he committed uh, suicide. I don't know any anything else. Well, uh, the intriguing thing is that it was the exact same way. It was a hanging. Okay. He hung himself. And apparently he had a lot of, in his past, a lot of drug use. And I know nobody likes to talk about that fact. Yeah. But there was obviously a history of depression and escapism from a very, very long time ago that he struggled with. And, um, and he uh, was seeking help. Nice. Thank you. He was seeking help. Um, but if you look at it from the standpoint of a disease, it's clear that the disease took over him. Yeah. Whatever that may be, whatever that mental illness, whatever you want to call it, depression or anxiety or worthlessness or insecurity. I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know him personally. But on a lighter note, I don't know, some months ago, Jenna was... I don't know. She listens to all this, these crazy radio shows that are popular around Detroit. And uh, I guess one day they were talking about pornography. And she said, she said, babe, do you watch porn? <laughs> and I looked at her. I laughed. And I said, uh, yeah, I do. She said, she said, really? I said, yeah, I watch food porn. <laughs> That's what I do. I watch food porn. I am addicted to food shows. I'm addicted to anything that's like an exotic program like Anthony Bart, uh, Bourdain, his Parts Unknown, where he traveled to all these different parts of the world, and he was away from his wife and kids, away from his family, mm-hmm. but he was learning about different cuisines and different cult- and cult- cultures and countries and stuff, and and. It was all televised, you know, CNN. And I freaking loved his show. I watched all his episodes. I, I binge-watched the guy. I loved his voice. I love his charisma. I love his, uh, his experience in life and, and these different cultures. And I love the food that he eats and the food that he presents to, to people. Like, hey, you're in the, if you're in Thailand, you need to come here and check out this restaurant. Mm-hmm. I, he's come to Detroit. He's, he loved Detroit. And he would, he's been in the, there's, there's a debate in Detroit, right? About National Coney Island versus American Coney Island, right? Talking about and he Lafayette n- and um, Americana or whatever? Yep. Yes. <clears throat> he nailed it. He went to both places. Like, you got part of Detroit that says that this is the way that a Coney should be made. Yeah. Then you got this other part of Detroit that says, no, this is the way it's supposed to be made. Mm-hmm. And you got this, this feud in Detroit about who has the best Coney dog. And he nailed it, dude. He absolutely nailed it. I thought it was awesome. So I love the guy. That's From a cool. distance, obviously. You know, and so he was in Paris filming a new episode uh, over there and uh, all about French cuisine. And they put him up in a nice hotel, him and a friend and... and Da, 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 da. The next morning, Anthony Bourdain doesn't show up. It took some doing, but they finally let the friend into his hotel room. 
and boom, there he is, dead. Hmm. You know, and, and there's so many people that are coming out, you know, writing blogs and doing podcasts and talking about the guy and his influence on the food industry that he had. I mean, you're talking like over 30 years in the food industry. Yeah. You know, and well, so when he was found, was there like a note or anything? Because I know Kate, Kate Spade left a, a note. Did Anthony, you know, has that come out that there was something left or? Not that I've heard of. Yeah. Not that I've heard. No. And so, I, I mean, it's a shocker, dude. It's a shocker. And, and it got Jenna and I talking about, you know, the suicide stuff. And we've conversed about it. And you and I hadn't talked about it at all. But no. I knew I wanted to talk to you about this and try to get, you know, a different perspective other than my own. Sure. Which is one thing I, I know that we're good at bouncing <clears throat> off each other. Um, you know, like I said, there's a part of me that, that sees the selfishness of it. Um, and then there's a huge part of me that sees the, the mental health aspect of it. And it just gets me to thinking about all the trauma that happens to people where they feel like they don't have an outlet to be able to voice their issues, or maybe they don't feel like they have uh, the relationships available to them to, uh, to really vent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it just really puts me in the mindset again, like I talked about <laughs> with the last episode about loss and grief, the fact that y- you got to value the people that you have in your life because you need each other. Mm-hmm. And when you don't reach out, or even if you do reach out, but you hold back a little bit, you, you rob yourself of an opportunity f- for greater health, emotional health, and you rob the people around you of the opportunity to be able to give. So, like, we, we have this innate need inside of us to contribute to one another. Like it's the greatest feeling that you would ever get is to contribute to someone else's life. And if you just end your life, then you, you rob other people that opportunity for fulfillment to be able to help. And then you rob yourself as well of the opportunity to see how loved and valued you are by receiving from someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's well, it's just such a freaking bummer, man. And I mean, I think <clears throat> even from, you know, I mean, if we take a slightly more biblical stance on what you just said. So God creates everything, right? And then he creates man in the image of himself and he breathes life into him. And then he says, huh. I'm going to create from this man, I'm going to take a rib, and I'm going to create a woman so that man is not alone, right? And I think because of that, because I believe in that, that none of us truly want to be alone. And I say that as, I think, to uh, go back to last, I think this is the last episode where I talked about, like, you know, I became really good at pushing people away and keeping people where I wanted them. So, 
And it was all out of fear of being hurt or, you know, used or whatever the case may be. So, like, I don't think any of, like, any of us want to be alone. And I'm saying that because I used to be the guy who was, yeah, okay, I'm going to be alone. Because I've been hurt before multiple times, different scenarios, different relationships, family, friends, otherwise, and I'm not going to do that anymore. So I create, or we, because we're all people, and we're all the same when we melt it all down. So we create these, like, this safety, which we think is safe, and it's like we create this island for ourselves that we don't let people into or onto, and obviously that's an analogy, because we don't build an island physically somewhere, but we, like, seclude ourselves thinking that, like, this is safe, and, you know, I'm not going to get hurt this way. But then we're alone, and we're fucking miserable, you know? Right. Because we're created to be communal with, with one or with hundreds of thousands or whatever the case is, like... We need to be around people for our humanity to mean something, you know? Agreed. So Agreed. With, with these two suicides, we have to, one, take into account their celebrity. However you say that. Like, they're both celebrities. They're known. What's that word again, bro? Celebrity. Is that a word? <laughs> celebrity. <laughs> Uh, their status. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I thought celebrity, um, there's some, I'm, I'm saying it wrong. But there's a word like that, right? Sure there is. I don't know. Anyway. So anyway, because they're like super famous, like, so me and Brooke have been watching a Netflix series called The Crown. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's about uh, Queen Elizabeth. It's Winston Churchill, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Queen Elizabeth, Winston Churchill, the whole family and all that. And yeah. so her husband basically becomes alienated because now he's having to, like, bow down to her and put her first. But, like, not just put her first, but, like, literally he can't walk into a, somewhere with her. He has to walk behind her. And I don't know. It's just this whole interesting thing so basically he's alienated and they send him off to like go do this tour because they think it's gonna be good for him when all the while he just wants his wife you know like he just wants to be a family like he loves his wife and he loves his kids and he wants that he doesn't really care about the crown and the whole make-believe you know, bullshit of everything's perfect and you have to put on a smile and you have to be happy. And, like, the stuff that they cover up just to keep the lie going, it it takes a toll on him. His name's Philip, as everyone probably knows just from history. And, like, yep. seeing that uh, relationship and, like, how it it turned from you're my wife and I love you and here's our kids and we're going to do this and, you know, we're going to have a, a nice life. And then 
Her dad dies, now she's the queen, and it's completely different, and everything is basically fake, you know? Yeah. Because they can't show humanity. And they've even, like, they say that in the show. Like, oh, heaven forbid we show that we're human, you know, basically. And it's like, I can't help but think about, just because, again, we're watching it, so it's fresh in my head, like, Kate Spade feeling like, you know, everyone's watching me, I have to perform, I have to, you know, do this thing and that thing, and I have to do, like, I have to fit in this box, I have to act a certain way, and look happy, and all this crap, and, like, deep down inside, you're, like, she's just dying, and she wants nothing of it, and it's actually hurting her as as a human being. Just for the face of popularity and keeping up with status and, you know, running a multi-million or whatever it is, business and the taxing uh, toll it it must have. And I wonder, like, because, you know, I don't think we could say all suicide is solely based on a mental issue. Like, like, um... A disease. I think a lot of it probably. But again, I'm first off. I'm no doctor. I haven't researched any of this. This is just my opinion and my thinking. Okay. Sure. But to me, my opinion would be: I don't think it. We, we can all like narrow down suicide as, oh, you you have a mental disorder and therefore that's how you were led or were able to commit suicide. I don't think that's 100% true for everyone because you've got, you know, homeless people who commit suicide that no one care about. And I'm sure the reasons for doing so probably differ a little bit at least from someone of stature who's super famous and, you know, has everything under the moon, you know, so to speak, and like a family and people that care about them and and then you have someone who is just a normal, you know, Joe Schmo working a factory job, making ends meet, and he's like, fuck all this shit. I'm going to end my life. I mean, you know, who's to say if he has mental disorders and she doesn't, or she does and he doesn't? I don't know. But I just wonder, the celebrity status, how much alienation can take place and drive a person to be like, what the hell is worth it, it all? Like, okay, I have kids and I have a husband and I have shit tons of money and a yacht and a plane and I can go anywhere, I can do anything, I can eat anywhere. I'm miserable. Like, if this is all that life is and I've already gained it all, what's there to live for? Well, I guess nothing, sure. so fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm just this is just my opinion, but like I don't know if that's a mental disorder so much as it is hey, like we're supposed to you know, the American dream for Christ's sake. Friggin' work your butt off, make a decent living, if not be well off so that you set your kids up for success. Once you've done that, life is good. What else do you do? I don't know. I mean, let's go biblical again. Um, 
Wasn't it? Go there, brother. Wasn't it Solomon who was like, "Bitch, I got everything. I got hoes. I got food. I got gold. <laughs> I can go fishing. I mean, I got it all, bro. Like, I'm miserable." Yeah, he said, "All is vanity." I don't know. Every little bit of it. Why didn't he commit suicide? It can be argued that at the end of his life he did. He gave up his God to worship all the gods of his concubines and wives because his perspective got jaded in the end that everything was vanity. Like, it's all worthless in the end. Yeah. Um, he did not have a victorious death. Let's just put it that way. Scripture doesn't say that he committed suicide, obviously, but he did not have a victorious death. Um, he died very um, in despair. And I, and I think that that feeling of despair is very real. And whether you want to call it mental illness or despair or mental anguish or whatever the case may be, um, to get to the point of suicide, there has to be, um, there, there is going to be a serious struggle, mental struggle, emotional struggle, trying to balance things out, trying to process things, and failing to do so. I think that's very real. And, um, and it's something that we can't really minimize. I'm not saying that you're minimizing it, bro. I'm just saying there's something that we can't minimize. It's it's so it's so deep seated in a person's mind and heart that it's very difficult to fathom where a person is at the point of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that have OD'd on drugs, uh, just trying to not feel, or, or just trying to escape. I, I uh, if you don't want to say mental illness is a is is uh is the case across the board i would i would argue that escapism would be feeling the need to just get away from something to escape from it probably is a common thread excuse me <laughs> a, a, <laughs> a common thread across the board <laughs> i think that, that 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 would probably be safe to say um, and, and it's sad because again, we see it in a lot of what's that word again? Celebritum. So, dude, I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> I know it's a freaking word, dude. It's gotta be. Um, th- there's this thing uh, you, you can look this up too. There's this thing called like the the curse of 27, of age 27. <sighs> We've had. Very amazing artist, the last one being Avicii, died at 27 of a drug overdose, right? Amy Winehouse did the same thing at 27. So did Jimi Hendrix. And I I think there are several others as well around that same time frame, age 27, that died from something. Just, but they, the one thing they had in common was that they were stars, that they were, um, very influential and that they were extremely depressed. And I would argue that, um, that this depression, this, this emptiness inside, this numbness that happens to people 
is truly a, a result of um, their belief system. Now, we're Christians. We believe that all that we have is a result of God our Father. Mm-hmm. Like we're afforded grace because of Jesus Christ, right? So the hope of life that we have doesn't depend upon us. It depends on the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, right? He shed his blood. He, he died. He was buried. He rose again three days later, which gives us hope of life. His resurrection, and this is satisfyingly deep right here. His resurrection gives us the hope of life. It gives us the the assurance that the earth that we're living on is not the end for us, but that there is uh, there is a peace and a and a rest that we should long for that is found in the arms and in the heart of our God. And when you don't have that hope, and when you don't have that that assurance, man, it's a very bleak world to live in. Because you're right, you can attain so much, and you can have so much at your fingertips, at your disposal, and still be absolutely miserable because you know that there is something missing. And I know you want to make fun of me because I've said it before, I don't care. The songwriter had it right. There's a God-shaped hole. Oh in God! All <clears throat> Stop it! Da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Sort of. It's it's there. It's there, man. We need Jesus in this world, man. Flat out, we flat out need Jesus. We need hope and something that is bigger than ourselves. The only way that you grow to to your full potential is that you believe that there is something greater than you out there that you can attain to. The most successful people in the world, they aspire to something greater than themselves. And as they become greater, that aspiration continues to grow. Their realization of that aspiration continues to go beyond where they are. So they constantly push. And if you want to go back to scripture, that's exactly what Paul was saying, right? He said, look, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, okay, I haven't gotten it all. But this one thing I do, forget the things that are behind me and reach forward or press forward to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So I realize that everything that I've accomplished, it's it's been done, right? We can consider it dung at this point. We can consider it shit at this point because it's already been done. But the thing that I'm looking forward to is what is yet to be done. I'm looking forward to what is yet to be revealed inside of me. The potential, the greatness, the, the power that is yet to be revealed inside of me. I want that. I want to get to that next level so that I can keep looking forward. It's like climbing a mountaintop. I'm going to get to the top of this so I can see a little bit further. And I'm going to keep going higher so I can see a little bit further. And I'm not going to be satisfied with the viewpoint that I have. I'm going to press forward until I can get something better. And if you don't have that hope, man, you are, you're, you're, you're sad. It's easy to fall into depression when you're, when you can't see past the nose on your face. When there's no vision, there's no desire, there's no forward thinking. There, when, when there's nothing else for you to accomplish or to do. It, it's depressing. 
Mm-hmm. It really is. And I understand that depression. I've been there. I've been there. I've seen that depression. You know, I, I've had some very, very bad days. I personally used to dream. I, don't, I think I told you this, Sean, a long time ago. Uh, I, I, used to, I used to wake up in the middle of the night after having nightmares of me putting a gun in my mouth, blowing my head off. Mm-hmm. You know, I had some really, really bad depression you know, about 10 years ago. I, I went through it, brother. And, um, and it's not easy. But the one thing that helped me pull out of it, one was ending the relationship I was in, <laughs> but two, uh, and separating myself from the, from the environment of chaos and muck uh, that I was in. But then moving forward was, um, was, was reaching forward to, to what was ahead, was realizing that, that life was worth living and that I actually had something to offer to you know, my family, my son, my friends, and getting some help. You know, over five years of therapy I went through. I was never on medication, thank God. I never, I never uh, agreed to take any medication. But one thing I agreed to do was to pray, to meditate, was to journal my thoughts. I've got books and books of my thoughts in journals, very thick journals that um, I've already communicated to my wife. If I die first, I want all of these journals to go to my son so that he can see the things that I've gone through, the, the thought process that I had, the mental anguish that I went through, and, and how I came out of it because I wrote it all down. Mm-hmm. I journaled every single day. And, um, and that really, really helped to pull me out of the depression that I was in. I went to group therapy. I did weeks upon weeks of group therapy, bro, on top of individual therapy. Just to allow myself a safe place around people that actually didn't know me at all. But a place where I felt that I can open up and actually tell the truth. You know, and and out of that, I learned that, you know what, you have to be your most true, authentic self. No matter how bad it hurts, no matter how embarrassing it might be uh, to to open up and to tell somebody, yeah, I'm depressed. And yeah, you know, I I feel like life sucks and is not worth living. Um, That's really, truly how I feel. But to get out of it, you got to believe something different. You got to choose. And it's a choice at the end of the day. A choice to believe something different than than what you're believing, so that you can pull yourself out of the funk that you're in. And there's still times today where I get into a funk and I just shut down and I get quiet and don't want to talk to anybody, don't want to deal with anything, don't want to bring up what the issue truly is. But it, it gets easier and easier the more you exercise that muscle. To just freaking talk. To yeah. just open up your mouth and say, you know what? This is this is this isn't the end. It isn't life isn't over. I still got more to do. Still got more to to receive and to give. I've got something to offer and I and I need to press through 
this valley that I'm in so that I can get back up to the mountaintop and see that horizon and, and see a little bit further so that I can so that I can shoot for it, so I can press for it. I think a lot of it boils down to choice, bro. But not just that. Uh, you got to want it, bro. You got to want to get out of it. You got to be able to recognize when you start uh, falling deep down into this shit mode. And then you have to, you have to press forward and choose to press forward so that you can get to where you need to be. I don't know if all that made sense, but I think it does. <clears throat> I, I think um, you know it's easy to be in some crappy times or situation or situations, and seemingly you get focused on you know the the bad and the man. This is never going to change like it's just going to be this way you know and i don't know that that's always the case i think a lot of times it's not the case it's just what you know it's it's i don't want to say it's easier to think that it's never going to change but rec- i f- i feel like it may be um there there might be a requirement of action that is less likely to be believed in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, things are shitty sure. and things are just bad. Like, it doesn't look good at all. I don't see any way of it ever changing. But at some point, I wonder, and, you know, not in everything, but in at least half of the things, let's say, scenarios out there, is there not a solution of stand the fuck up and change something, you know? Like, we have a decision. And just like, I mean, I believe taking your life is a decision. It is. Can there not be another solution? You know, like, is there not another way? Is it going to be hard? Probably. Like, are you just done and you don't want it to be hard? Then that's, a you know, that's, you know, that's viable. I understand that. Yeah, it's hard, yeah. and I don't want to do it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that taking yeah. your life is the way out, but I don't know. Just it's, it's really easy to believe the lie or be bought into the destitute, you know, no hope, bleakness of situations and circumstances in life, and it's a lot easier to just be like, fuck it. Like... I don't need to deal with this, so I'm not going to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, I believe, not to over-spiritualize, because I don't like to over-spiritualize things, but I do believe, I mean, the Bible says that the devil is, you know, roaming around seeking whom he may devour. And we can't discount uh, discount the fact that the other demons that are with said devil, they have the same mission, you know? So I do think that there's a lot of spiritual things that can go on 
in certain people's lives at certain times when they are down and out and they are believing the lie of it's never going to change, it's never going to get better, there is no hope, it would just be a lot easier if I wasn't here. And I think some of the spiritual warfare can, you know, coexist in that, you know, and I think that who better else to, I mean, at that point you're weak and you're not stable and you're not going to fight, you know, so if the, if the devil surely is roaming around seeking whom he may devour, I mean, who do lions devour? They don't go for the biggest of the pack and the fastest. No, they seek out the one that's slowest and weakest, right? For sure. So, again, I'm not trying to say, you know, every suicide is just the devil winning. Like, no, I'm not saying that at all. But I do think that there is some, like, spiritual warfare that plays into suicide, you know? I mean, there, there almost has to be. I, I would agree 100%. There has to be. Now, for, for those that don't have this hope, that aren't Christians, you might think that that's, you know, a person might think that that's hogwash. Mm-hmm. Because they're not Christians and they don't really, you know, care about that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's real. Like, there really is spiritual warfare. Like, there really is a spiritual world that influences this natural world. And and if you don't know that, and if you're naive to that fact, or you're just in denial for whatever reason... Um, you're a you're you're an easy target. You're susceptible to it, um, and and it's unfortunate. I mean, you can try and warn people and tell people, um, but again, it's if it, it, if their belief system doesn't line up with that, then they can miss the boat. Um, I, all that being said, though, bro, my heart really goes out to their families. Oh yeah, the ones that are left behind that have to grieve and mourn and it will take a long time for them to be able to overcome the feelings and emotions that they have. And that's, and that's not cool. That's if they do overcome those. That, and that's yeah. That's if they overcome it. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a good thing for anyone, man. I mean, think about the suffering that, you know, the victim had. Yeah. And I really do think it's that they are a victim, even though they're the ones who committed the act. I mean, they they had to have suffered. They literally took their own life. You don't say, they man, suffered. things are so awesome. I think I'm going to hang myself just for fun. Like, that's not how that works. So, like, No, it's not how it works. Think about the suffering that they went through, whether it was physically or mentally or all of it. Lee, like, that sucks, you know, and my heart breaks for them because that's not cool. And then, yeah, obviously the family, the pe- the friends, the people that have been touched by these people, you know, like, what do you even say to them? Like, I, I don't know <laughs> what you could say. Yeah. Other yeah. than the obvious, like, man, this sucks. And like, um, sorry. Yeah. So now and that's the, a that's that's a whole nother viewpoint too, bro. Like how do you how do you help someone that lost someone to suicide? I don't know. I, I think that 
yeah, you can say that you're sorry, and you can admit that you don't really understand. And I, I think that that's probably an honest thing. You know, if you really, truly have never experienced it, you don't understand. Yep. Um, but, but I think that, in, in my opinion, one of the best things that you can do for a person that is uh, grieving in the time of their loss is just to be present. You know? Mm. Be present as much as that person allows you to be. You know, I've got friends, I've got close friends that have lost people to suicide. And the only thing we could do is just be present for them. Because you can't take the pain away. You can't, you can't try and rationalize it for them. The only thing that you can truly do is pray for them, love them, allow them to go through the motions. And, and this next point, I can't stress enough. Don't rush them. You know, I think one of the one of the worst things that happens in the church today that I've experienced is that when a loss comes, they a lot of the church will, from my experience, a lot of the church will say, you know, well, you went through this tough situation, you went through this divorce, or you went through this death, or you went through this tragedy. And it was 15 years ago. You should be over it by now. Isn't your God big enough? You know, don't you love God enough to let him heal you? Mm-hmm. That kind of talk is so wrong. Because the fact is, is that there is no time limit to grieving. Because like we said before, in a different conversation, I'm not even sure if we ever recorded this, but we talked about the fact that grief, when it comes down to grief, you know, they, I've heard five stages of grief, seven stages of grief, nine stages of grief, whatever you choose to, to classify it as. One thing I know for sure from grief is that you may start off with anger, go to denial and frustration. You may go to forgiveness. You may go to acceptance. You can't go. You, you, nobody ever truly goes in order of step by step. The books will tell you. You know, you got these steps and you go in this order. And this is typical from person to person. In my experience in counseling, it's not typical. You can get to a point where you're just like, all right, I'm at the point of acceptance, which is supposed to be the last stage of grief. And then you walk past somebody that smells just like the one that you just lost. You can go right back into depression again yeah. just off of a smell. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, you don't rush people. Let people feel whatever the hell they're feeling. Let them feel it. Let them go through it. Because one thing's for sure, you will never overcome any emotion unless you own it. Yeah. Your feelings aren't right or wrong. They're just yours. And unless you own it and embrace how you feel and own up to it, like, yeah, you know what? I am pissed about this. Or, yeah, I'm really, really hurt right now. I'm bleeding all over the place. Unless you're willing to admit it and embrace it and feel it, you'll never, ever, ever overcome it. You got to own it. And, and I think, in my opinion, 
that the best thing that the church can do is to allow people to feel, allow people to hurt, allow people to to be where they are, to be who they are, and just be present. So that when the opportunity is there for you to help, when they say, you know what, I really need a hug right now, you're there. Give them a hug. You know what I'm saying? Because there's, there's people like, after this, <clears throat> after this, there's going to be people that aren't able to go back to work for a while. Mm-hmm. You know? You, you're depressed eating ice cream in your pajamas and haven't taken a shower in three days. Stuff like that. You know, I mean, this depression is real. The heaviness is real. You got to allow people to feel what they feel, go through what they have to go through in order to come out on the other side. They'll never come out on the other side unless they go through the pain. I agree. So, that's my two cents. And I have a counseling degree, by the way. <laughs> so your two cents means something. <laughs> it means something. See, my two cents doesn't. It's just straight opinion. But uh, Dude, it takes time. But one one thing's for sure, you know, you got to reinforce love. I'm sorry to cut you off, bro. No, you're good. You got to reinforce love. You got to reinforce, you know, that it's not the end and that you're there. There is no ministry to a person that is lost, that, that is experiencing loss and grief. There's no ministry more important. You won't find this in the Bible. This is, uh... This is the gospel according to St. Michael. <laughs> you have to allow uh, uh, the greatest ministry that you can give to someone who is grieving or experiencing loss is the ministry of presence. That's it. The ministry of presence. Just be there. Don't forget about them in a week. Don't forget about them in a month. You know, they might be still suffering a year from now, more than likely they will. Don't forget about them. The anniversary of their death is going to come up. Don't forget about them. Don't forget about them. Be there. Be present. And be willing to, to show love, kindness, grace, and a hell of a lot of patience. Because they're going to need it. No one wants to be alone. No. You said it already. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Therefore, I shall make him a help meet. That's what the scripture says. It's true. So, Not to change the subject, but I did do a little Google searching. And the word yeah. that I should have been saying is celebrityhood. Celebrityhood. That's so different from what you were saying. You probably don't <laughs> even remember what you were saying. I was calling it celebritum. Celebridum. Kind of like martyrdom, but with celebrity. <laughs> so. Celebrityhood. Missed the mark on that one. But hey, it caused you me to it. learn something. There you go. You'll never forget it from here on out. So I'm glad I wasn't afraid to say what I was thinking. Because from that, truth came out of it. Boom. Boom. <laughs> All right, brother. I think that's about a wrap. It is. We didn't even talk about, like, do you commit suicide and still get to go to heaven? Oh, God. 
That'll have to be another episode. Dude. <laughs> yeah. That's a deep one, bro. I don't know. We'll leave it for another time. Another time. Another day. Another dollar. All I'm saying is, I'm not God. Neither am I. And I refuse to put anybody in heaven or hell. If I was, we'd, I would wipe the whole fucking earth out. Start over and make robots. Thanos. Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> Snap your finger. Fuck all y'all bitches. <laughs> you don't love me? Uh-uh. You worried about race and what color you are. Men are better than women. You, you don't get it. Stuff. You don't get it. So fuck all y'all. I'm going to snap my fingers and you're going to disappear and I'm going to just start over. <laughs> yeah. That's the gospel yeah. according to Sean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Which it's is all why good, it is awesome that uh, we are loved by the Lord. No doubt about it, bro. I just need to get We're better loved. at learning how to yield that love to others. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway. That's a whole nother conversation, too. Thanks for listening. If you're still listening, I don't know why you are. But you've learned <laughs> that celebritum is not a word. Maybe you already knew that. You probably did. But It's all good. It's hey, hit us on Twitter. Unchurched pod, bitches. Yep, Instagram. Unchurched pod, bitches. Uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Unchurched Podcast, website, unchurchedpodcast.wordpress.com. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll get it going. All right, thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.